Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 23 of Screen Bucket. 23. And the last for a while. Yeah, we're going under. We're going down under. We're doing radio silence for a bit while we try and finish our ruddy film. Yeah, because if we don't finish it now, it'll just keep going on and on and on. We need to get it done. Yes, indeed. And even though this is fortnightly, it does take quite a lot of time. It does. Because of all our little bits and edits and things. Yeah, it eats up the hours. Hours that can be better spent exploding bodies, uh, bl- blowing things up. Well, let's um, not say better spent. Also spent. Also spent. Yes. Also spent. Yeah. You know, you know, you got to you, you got work hard in these things, mate. Yeah, you do have to work hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We love you guys. We love you just as much as we like chest bursting. Yes. Not more, not less. The same as exactly the same. Exactly if we same. had one bit of bread, you'd get half. Yeah. Yeah, that's biblical. That was, wasn't it? Yeah, very biblical. Yeah. Um, what did we talk about <laughs> on the show? Uh, we talked about Stranger Things. Yep. We talked about you know, like everyone else is. We talked about Jaws. Jaws. The second and biggest of our summer blockbuster film specials. Yeah, absolutely. What else did we talk about? Uh, we talked about indie filmmakers and when they're sometimes a bit pretentious and annoying. Yes, indeed. Uh, we went into some Fortnite schmort nights, so we got some lovely bits of uh, movie and television news for you. Mm. And also, we looked at some trailers. Yeah, we now, did. just want to make a point. I People told me to watch the Mulan trailer because it looked interesting. It didn't look interesting. It does not look interesting. No. As we will talk about in the show. But, uh, ugh, boring. Maybe that's just our lack of culture, or maybe we just recognise that it's... They're just not interested, like we talk about in Fortnite Small Night. I don't understand this insistence to do these live-action films when you don't need to. There's no need, there's no need. Would be a a live-action version of Toy Story. Would that be good? Oh, they're going to do it. I bet they will as well. Oh yeah, it's coming, it's coming. It'll be next. It's funny because they've done the opposite of Child's Play. Yeah, yeah, well, they've gone backwards. So, mm, yes. Mm. Anyway, should we uh, should we just go into the show? Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll see you at the end. See you at the end. Bye. No, not bye. Hi, because they're going. Uh, enter. Oh, sorry. That's that. Oh, this is Green Bucket with Adam and Rob. Learn about movies whilst we get in your job. There's TV and games and other stuff too. And we're gonna share all this with you. Get out of my factory, you little toad. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to Stream Bucket. The yeah. summer blockbustery edition. Absolutely, the second in our blockbuster editions. Ooh, ah, no, amazing. Yes, and uh, hmm, been a bit busy, haven't we? We have been busy. You've been busy. Where on earth have you been? Glasto. Oh, Glastonbury, the king of the festivals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? You don't. You don't have any experience with festivals. Exactly. It's too expensive for me. That's a royalty of festivals probably makes sense many it's people can afford to go you have to go it's like a life calling it's a pilgrimage of music mm. okay they take our money but it's well worth it okay yeah no Glastonbury was amazing as always um, Chemical Brothers 
Um, Miley Cyrus was insanely good. Mm. Liam Gallagher was very good. Um, we did all sorts of hippie walking around the healing fields where you play things. The healing uh, the fields. The healing fields. There's a hippie section. There's a nudist bit. We didn't go to the nudist bit, sadly. Um, what? I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why we didn't go to the nudist bit. Um, the side of the bus. There's magical places. There's a place called Pangea. So people who have been to Glastonbury before will know the giant spider called Arcadia. I think it's called Arcadia? Yeah. So it's this giant spider, giant robot spider, and it spits fire, and there's a DJ sat in the head. And then thousands and thousands of gurning, chewing hippies and the like... Was this real? No, it is. It, well, this was. Is this just be. where you, the thing you see after day three? Or no, something? no, no, no. This is all, all the time. But then, they, right. but they replaced it with this crane, this giant crane. But it sat on a Sauron-like eyeball, like this giant <laughs> sphere that looks at you, and the eye goes around and stuff. Okay. And you stay there till six in the morning, and it's ridiculous. And strange, strange people coming off you drugs and all sorts. I don't know. <laughs> but best band, Ammo and the Sniffers. Yes. Now you introduced me to them ages ago, and they look incredible. Oh, it's insane. So it's three sort of mullety, bogan <laughs> Australians. Yep. And the front woman is Amel, or Amy, and she's uh, this wild, violence-inspiring punk woman who leaps into the crowd. She said in interviews before that she enjoys it when people grab her on the ass because then she gets to smack them in the face. So this very raw, violent punk band. And they were crammed into this tiny tent. The streets were also amazing. Yeah, very good festival. Good. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Did you sleep? Not well. (laughs) Not well. On the Sunday, we were out until 4.30. And then we had to get the bus back. So I had to get back at 4.30 in the morning, pack up my tent and then get the bus. And Mm. it was bad. (laughs) Bad, bad, bad. Uh, And on the Saturday of Glastonbury... I did a Studio Ghibli slumber party. Oh, I pajama that. party. Was it good or was it like, did you fall asleep? Now, here's the thing. Uh, I've done All Nighters There before, Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester Square, uh, and not had too much of an issue. Studio Ghibli, on the other hand, almost seems like it was designed to make you fall asleep. It's all very soft and gentle and nice little music and things. So, yeah, I fell asleep quite a lot. Well, I used to use it to fall asleep at uni. Yeah, I can can see that. Um, I had seen most of them before. I hadn't seen Kiki's Delivery Service before. Is that the one with the girl and the broom and the cat? Yeah. Yawn! That's (laughs) the worst one, my God. Did they have Princess Mononoke? Yeah, I don't think we watched that because... um, the person I went with wasn't able to sleep. Right. They just physically were unable to sleep during uh, sitting upright with music and oh, lights. Oh, God. And stuff. So she was losing her mind. Um, I kept waking up. <laughs> I think, oh, you're right. Yes. Jeez. Eyes wide. So. Do you yeah, know what that sounds like to me? That out. sounds like a freaking 11 hour flight. And you have no choice but to watch the films. Yes. And you're aware of the fact you can't get off the plane, so you're stuck there. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a really good experience, though. And actually, what's quite interesting is no one really left. When I went to the Arnie all-nighter, people bailed out really quickly. Oh, they really? Wa- they watched a the couple, then it just emptied out. <laughs> yeah, I've had enough. I've had enough of him. <laughs> get him away. Uh, this time, people stayed all night long. Huh. A few people bailed out. Thankfully, the... 
group of people behind us kept talking and opening crisp packets. <sighs> they disappeared quite quickly. But yeah, oh, Shino Ghibli's um, it's an interesting uh, style, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, it's all very European, weirdly. Yeah, so it's I all use, sort of Japanese, um, but it's all the all the backdrops and settings are very European. And like Howl's Moving Castle was originally a Welsh story, wasn't it? I think is it? That would make sense. And there's like yeah, there's loads of them. They're just basically other takes on European right. stories from the past. I do like. I think my favourite though is My Neighbour Totoro. Yes, My Neighbour Totoro is deliciously weird. Yeah, and I love it. And it's just just dumb. <laughs> Did they show the one with the raccoons and the scrotums? The raccoons and the scrotums. Can that be the name of our band? Yeah, um, yeah. There's a one, I can't remember what it's called, but the, there's raccoons in it and they float around on their ball bags. <laughs> can we say these things? You can see, yeah. There's nothing wrong with ball bag. Are you sure? It's quite a, a you can bit say, of imagery, isn't it? You can say ball bag. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can say ball bag. <laughs> I I don't remember that. I may have dreamt it. Okay. I did I did find though, even though the, I did get a bit of a sleep, going back on the tube was a weird experience. Did you start seeing little soot sprites? And you things? see a little you see a little rat on the on the track. Right. He's got a little little knapsack on his back. <laughs> and he looks at you and goes <laughs> and then runs away yeah. <laughs> into a little door. A little, Come with me. Little tiny wooden door. Uh, yeah, oh. it's good though, it's good fun. Good. I'm not sure I'd recommend it unless you're a, a manic Studio Ghibli fan. Right. And there were some. Yeah, I bet. Mm. It also happens to be like the hottest night ever. And my pyjamas aren't built for warm, oh, no. I discovered. What were you wearing your Long John set? Your Red Dwarf <laughs> uniform? No, I'm not my Long John set, just my, uh, my man jams, my fluffy man jams. <laughs> Um, you fluffy man jams. <laughs> that's the other name of our band. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all good. It was all fun. Nice. Um, yeah. So what have we got ahead of us on today's show? Okay, so the, our blockbuster season culminates with arguably, well, the one that started it all. Mm. The first major blockbuster of summer. Jaws. Jaws. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, so we're going to delve into that. And it's going to be fun because it's one of my favourite films. Rob's been wanting to do this forever. Yes. I think from probably the first ever show, it was like, no, we need to wait for summer. We need to wait for yeah. it to be relevant. Why can't we do Jaws now? Yeah. Uh, I've it, had arguments on the internet with people about Jaws. Have you? Yeah, it's been very petty, very silly. On Reddit, someone was saying, Who do you, what do you think is like one of the greatest films of all time? And I said, Jaws has got to be in the top five. Uh, and all these film critics come swooping out of the anuses of the internet. What are you talking about, you dumbass? Jaws isn't that good. Have you even heard of Shawshank Redemption? Ugh. It's uh, like, it's just an opinion, you little... Argh. Oh, dear. I didn't understand. Progressive vibes have worn well off, haven't pe- they? People, people have a right to an opinion. You can't say, in my opinion, personally, because people just get their knives out. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone knows this. Oh, people on the internet... <laughs> So that's why I don't have that's why I don't have a Reddit account. That's why I deleted it. Oh really? Because I just can't like you can't have a conversation with people <laughs> without all these nerds coming and saying that you suck and your opinions are stupid and you know nothing about film. Mm. But guess who's got the radio show? Yes. Guess who's got the radio show? Absolutely, Reddit. Yeah. Uh, if that's your real name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. We got anything else coming up? 
Uh, we got. Uh, we're going to look into some trailers. Yes. Um, we've got Fortnite Schmortnight. We've got some movie news. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know what else we got. We'll talk a bit about indie filmmakers who maybe uh, think a bit much of themselves after a recent film screening experience. Oh, pretentious uh, filmmakers who are right up their own hoops. Mm. Yeah. And a couple other bits as well. But yes. Let's uh, let's get started with a song. Let's get started with. So one of the best people I saw at Glastonbury with their amazing light performance was Chemical Brothers. They had men, laser men coming out of the screen. It was insane. Laser men. Laser men and all sorts. So we're gonna play uh, Setting Sun by the Chemical Brothers. Quiet on the set. Hope you got your popcorn and large soda ready, cause you're listening to Scream Bucket with Adam and Rob. Adam's Film Reviews, The Dead Don't Die, 2019. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. You look gorgeous. Oh my. Are you in this together? Flesh-eating zombies. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, The Dead Don't Die is in theory a zombie comedy starring an all-star cast, including the likes of Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Danny Glover, Steve Buscemi and all the rest. A sort of modern inflection of classic Romero stories, The Dead Don't Die introduces us to the people of Centerville, a quaint one-diner town somewhere in middle America. In particular, we focus on local sheriff Cliff Robertson and officer Ronnie Peterson as they deal with a complaint outside of town. The pair observe that it's past 8pm and it's still light. Something weird's going on, but, but no one knows exactly what. Yet. One by one, we introduce the people around the town, living out their daily lives as snippets from the news gradually slip in. Something about polar fracking causing the earth to tip its axis. Something about people being attacked. Your standard Romero-esque mystery. Except, it isn't a mystery, is it? We know exactly what's going on, and no matter how many times we watch a long, flat scene of dialogue of people wondering what's going on with the sun, it isn't going to make us wonder anymore. Sure enough, after a torturously long time, we meet our first zombie. And would you, Adam and Eve, it, it's only Iggy Pop. Yeah, the real Iggy Pop, who we watch for approximately four minutes as he shambles into the nearest diner, tears apart the staff and downs a pot of coffee. From here, the glacier truly starts to move. The town is soon overrun, with the dead returning to life and attacking the townsfolk. All we have are Cliff and Ronnie, patiently observed by a wild man in the woods, facing up against a horde of the undead. This film is boring. No, it's worse. It's face-punchingly ironic. The gag appears to be that we're watching a Romero film that just no one cares about, if they're in it or not. The reason for this, well, it's obvious. Ronnie, the character I mean, admits that he's read the script and knows how it ends. What? Where the hell did that come from? Despite the faintly amusing atmosphere, 
there's never really a punchline. There's no resolution. The entire film revolves around a bunch of people doing things we've seen before in zombie movies, but in a sort of faintly weird and vague way. Characters we witness throughout the story are just dead now, I guess. Others just run off screen. It's not a huge issue, but why the hell bother casting so many huge names? Did you know Selena Gomez is in this film? She's a big name, right? Yeah, well, who cares? Bye-bye. No more scenes with you. I hated the dead don't die. I really seriously hated it. It goes nowhere, it does nothing, and at the end of the day, it just appeared to be one long, dull music video for the theme by Sturgill Simpson. Sure enough, also titled The Dead Don't Die. And that was The Theme to Jaws by John Williams. Iconic. Iconic. Unmistakable as well. Yeah. Have you seen the video of him describing how he uh, just came up with it? He was just sat at his piano and Spielberg was like, I want something really scary, really tense. And he right. was like, duh, 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 just two keys on the piano. <laughs> and Spielberg goes like, what the hell is this? And he's like, trust me. And then lo and behold, it becomes probably the most iconic tune in the history of film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike the rest of the Jaws soundtrack, that's mostly just Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yep. But anyway. Moving on, yeah. Yeah, John Williams. You hack! You hack fraud! Yes. So, Jaws. Jaws. So, look at you. Raring yeah. to go. So, it's 1975. Um, it was based on the novel by Peter Benchley. Mm-hmm. Um, Who co-wrote the screenplay, I believe. With Gottlieb. Something like that. It was a Gottlieb. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on the limb. Carl. Carl Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Whatever you say Gottlieb, that. Gottlieb, yes. Have you read the novel? No. Oh, don't. Re- oh, really? I mean, there's a... Uh, I don't want to say any spoilers um, concerning the novel, but there's a love affair in it, okay? Okay. Someone does something... One of the, So you have this idea of three friends going off into the sea to catch this giant monster. Mm-hmm. One of the friends sleeps with one of the other friend's wife. And there's a whole couple of chapters about it, and you think, why is this in the novel? That's something. That's funny because that's something you'd think would be added in by Hollywood filmmakers. Yeah, but they, I think they took it out because they're like, uh, "That's weird. This is about a shark." Was it the oceanographer and it was Hooper? Yeah, yeah. Hooper slept with Brody's wife, and yes. there's this whole thing of them flirting in a, and it gets I was say, sexual. You can, you can sort of see where that would fit in the film, and then like. Brody kind of finds out and there's all this tension when they go off in, out to sea. So all of that camaraderie in the end of the film, which is beautiful, is non-existent in the book because that happened. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah. the film in this case is vastly superior to the novel, in my opinion. <laughs> well, Carl Gottlieb, he was a sort of TV writer and a lot of what he did was dark, dry humour. Okay. So a lot of the character humoury bits were added by him anyway in the screenplay. So you can sort of see that if um, you can see if he's a really straight drama guy, yeah, that's where he would have gone to add the tension, add the drama. But with Carl's influence, it made it that kind of. I want to say family friendly, but it's not. No, but it's that it's that thing that makes me want to go back and watch it again. All the camaraderie and yeah, all the humour from that, and the town charm and everything that comes through. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I agree. I agree. Uh, this is Steven Spielberg has famously done films that kind of vaguely based on his life especially his childhood where do you think this would fall into that he was attacked by a shark was he yeah ah. mm. it was a shark uh with dinosaurs attached and R- a weird R- alien on the top with a big head okay 
which got all cold and ill and looked really freaky. And started eating his boat. Yeah. Uh, well, that makes that makes so much that sense. That all happened. Uh, oh, this before he went to prison? Yeah. Right, okay. But it happened on Normandy Beach. On Normandy Beach? Yeah, uh, in World War II. Where he saw the red woman. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a life. Ah, oh, what? A, I want to read his book now. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So, Give us some stats. You've got stats, haven't you? Uh, I freaking got some sentences. I've forgotten what the stats are. So Jaws, um, it was the highest uh, grossing film of all time until Star Wars clinched it two years later. At a budget of $9 million, which is insane. Okay. $9 million. I mean, in today's film, like surely something like Jaws would cost $150 million at the very uh, least. Top. Today. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it took $470 million bucks at the box office. Wow. Which... It's quite big. I, you know, I would have thought. Obviously, you've got to adjust for inflation, but I would have thought bigger. But, um, well, this is a film though that probably got picked up after the fact in video rentals and things. Yeah, because it got. I, my perception of it is that it, it was obviously massive at the time, but it got bigger. It had a second wave in the eighties because yes. that's when the sequel was done, wasn't it? Jaws: The Revenge. Well, Jaws Two. Yeah, it did earn a hundred million in US theatrical rentals, which is a massive amount. Oh, tell a lie, Jaws Two was late seventies, so um, it obviously got picked up quite quickly. Yeah, strike while the iron's hot, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Open with a seven million dollar weekend. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's probably understating it that it's it's become part of cinema history, isn't it? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I think everyone has a story about the first time they watched Jaws. Yes, and uh, you speak to people about Jaws and they say, this is the reason I don't go in the sea anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's turned so many people off of the ocean. People just like the good, the bad, the ugly theme. If someone has a shark coming up, they will do the shark music yeah. from Jaws without even having seen Jaws. It's so, uh, just like the... Well, it's so like ingrained in culture it's, it's like if you're on a night out and you see someone who's absolutely hammered and they're just <laughs> wandering towards you in the street that is you're either doing that or you're doing it's one of those songs you just put on something that makes it funnier yeah yeah my nickname at school was jaws on the football field not because i had braces or because i was particularly tall but because uh i had a bit of a reputation for hacking people and right. i would choose a target and follow them because I was quite a fast runner and oh I'd my just God. gain on them what even when they didn't have the ball yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> just no. choose people no and uh, you'd hear it after a while after my reputation was solid was grounded and uh, you'd hear the other players going dum, 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 dum. Oh, yeah. violent fuck at school oh, I broke someone's so, leg <sighs> oh my god anyway jeez my sordid past yeah. Okay. So what happens in Jaws, Rob? So Jaws uh, starts in perfect fashion with a POV of something swimming through the ocean. And you've got your credits rolling over it. It's moving through the reeds. You're instantly aware that you are looking through the eyes of the shark. And then it cuts to the naughty, naughty teenage party. Yes, naughty hippie party. So the movie rules. You don't do what they're doing, do you? You don't drink, you don't have sex, you don't do drugs. Don't ever play the harmonica. No, don't freaking play the harmonica, you deserve to die. <laughs> there's a moment, just interject a moment, there's a guy playing a harmonica next to a girl who looks so bored. <laughs> it's so accurate for a harmonica player at a beach party, just this girl like... 
it's carried yeah. on throughout the ages. The modern equivalent <laughs> is someone sat next to someone playing Wonderwall and going, oh, my God. <laughs> but um, yeah, so two teenagers lock eyes across the fire. They like each other. They're going to go off and they're going to do naughty things. So they run away. They leave the party. They go to the beach. She wants to swim. He's not really that into it. He passes out on the beach. Mm. She, on the other hand, mid-swim, she gets close to a boy and then she gets yanked. Mm. And then she gets pulled and these gut-wrenching, awful screams start. Stuff which really kind of gets under your skin. Yeah. You know she's been done in. This is something that when I first watched really freaked me out. And watching it again yesterday, it still freaked me out. I, yeah. I remember it being more gory, but it's it, there's something really unnerving about that. Because she gets yanked first. Yeah. And then yanked again. And then she just gets dragged back and forth. She's hanging on to the boy for a while, isn't she? She gets yeah. pulled away. And, oh, it's kind of... I guess the fact they didn't use gore or go under the water means mm. everything's left to the imagination. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, my God, she's actually been eaten alive under that surface. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then instantly, this is what I love about the film, is the pacing. As soon as that's done, you go into Brody's family. You're introduced to Chief Brody. He's just kind of... He's he's very much a hopper type, but more of a family man sort of thing. Yeah, well, they moved out of New York because it was too dangerous. Was the impression I got yeah. to become uh, the chief of police in in Amity Island. There's a bit later on where they're comparing scars. Not to jump ahead too much, but they two of the characters comparing fish scars, and he pulls up his shirt and he has a scar on his belly. Yes. And he pulls it down. He doesn't say but, anything about yeah, it. Yeah, which I sus- which the implication being he was shot or stabbed. And that's right. probably why they moved. I thought I got from that scene that he didn't think it was worth showing because I thought he was trying to like be involved with the the big sailor boys who have all these stories about mm. shark attacks. And he's like, oh, well, I can't really compete with those ones. Oh, I took it more deeper than that. I took it to mean that he was ashamed of it. Oh, it's just, yeah. It was like, Dark yeah, understory. well, I've been stabbed, but whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But there's um, like, there's the kind of lines and the family sort of, it tells you so much about the town just by them being in that room. There's a bit where his wife says to him, be careful, will you? And he's like, in this town? So automatically, you know, it says that like later on, there hasn't been a murder in 25 years. There hasn't mm-hmm. been, you know, nothing goes on in this town. It's a well, happy... From the moment he leaves his family house and goes to... Where does he go? The mayor's office? Uh, does he... he... Somewhere. He... Yeah. he goes somewhere. And we see lots of the town and it's all hubbub and noise and people talking over each other. At this point, it feels very 70s movie mm. because you don't really know what's going on. But there's a definitely an energy to it and there's definitely a, a vibe going on, which yeah. we then later find out it's because it's coming up to the 4th of July right? So when all the tourist hordes descend on the island. It's the crucial time of money-making for the yes. for these islanders. Um, but yeah, it's the worst thing about the pacing. It goes straight to the beach. Like, yeah, it goes to the mayor office. Uh, he finds his like, uh, underling... Uh, copper and then they go to the beach because there's been a report mm. and then they find the body or what is left of the body yes of chrissy hawkins or something. yeah and yeah. he brody can tell straight away he goes straight back to his lovely old-fashioned clicky clacky typewriter and writes shark attack and it's beautifully framed yeah shark. he misspelled coroner's office though did he yeah coroner's office oh. my old proofreader mind caught that <laughs> yeah um, but then it, he gets summoned to the mayor. He wants to uh, close oh, yeah, the beach, right. doesn't he? he, gets, he gets... Oh, this is this is where I'm getting confused. He, yeah, he went into, goes into town at this point to go and get supplies to make a do not go on the beach sign. Right. Because they didn't have any. 
And during that time, he's just walking through this mess of people preparing and people trying to grab him. Yeah, oh, someone keep karate chop my sign. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Um, there's some kids playing about. Yeah, they've been karate chopping fences or something. That's right. She's been karateing fences. Um, and then he has to take the ferry across to another part of the island. He's got his signs and stuff. He's having a smoke. And then the mayor's car drives onto that ferry. The mayor gets out. Cornelius Moneybags. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I love this character. Um, but he basically tells Brody he's got to close the beaches. And it's so good in film when you've got this corrupt authority figure who's all about greed straight away you're kind of with the protagonist going listen to him you douche yeah 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 absolutely so it riles you up as well and I, i'm a big fan of 70s films and that is often the way with 70s films you have the you tend to have like the environmentalist or the guy who's aware of what's going on being the lead character yeah and everyone else are the douchebag moneybag people trying to block off and not listen yeah which yeah. is funny because in modern films it tends to be the other way around You've yep. got the kooky environmentalist and the rich uh, protagonist. Anyway, just an observation. No, no, definitely. Uh, so the coroner basically has been, it seems like he's been pushed to uh, change his mind on the shark attack. To boat propeller yeah. incident or something. Which has yeah. happened before, they say. Right. So, yeah. The idea being that they don't want to put people off the beaches for July the 4th, Independence yes. Day. Because uh, that's the only time they make any money, I guess. Hmm. Um, and Brody's like, yeah, okay. He only he reacted the way he did with wanting to close the beaches uh, because of what he was told. Hmm. So actually, yeah, if the coroner's changed his mind, he doesn't have much if, to worry about. I wonder if he should have stood up for himself. I wonder if he should have stuck with his gut and been like, listen, I've, I know I'm going to exercise my power as chief of police and I'm going to close the beaches because... Well, that comes up later on. Oh, it does in a big way. So I think it's quite good because yeah. it, people do make mistakes and I think that's a good one to make. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the next... Is, is it like the next scene he goes to the beach? The next scene is, uh, you know, again... The big one. Of, one the big one. Mm. I mean, maybe there's one other one, but this is the the, sh- the scene that involves the shot. But he goes to the beach, he's concerned. There's hundreds of people on the beach, people going in the water. He's sat on the sand next to his wife. And he's analysing the beach. He's trying to work out what's uh, if there's any risk. So he thinks he sees a shark fin. It's just a guy with one of those silly black swimming caps um, swimming under his I want to point dive. out, this is my favourite bit because it's silent. Mm. We just fix on people. We yeah. just watch people for a minute. There's a guy throwing a stick to his dog. There's kids splashing about. There's a, a woman just floating there. Yeah. And we just keep having these lingering shots and as as he's watching them silent no music nothing it's perfect yeah it's really really cool it's the only time i've seen anything like it's in tremors Mm. but it's yeah it expresses their vulnerability that silence because when you see that woman floating there you're thinking oh she's so screwed oh yeah yeah like there, there is nothing she can do and all Brody can do at this point is just watch like what can he really do and there's, you know, there's a guy, there's a girl who starts screaming and splashing around, but it's just her boyfriend lifting her up. Yep, yep. And then a guy comes and he's like, I'm really having some problem with these kids. He gets moaned at again by one of the townspeople. He's just and... trying to look over their shoulder and keep an eye on the sea. Yeah, he's not listening to a word. And uh, yeah, then the POV shot comes back. Swimming through legs, who's he going to go for? And then... This sequence is very Hitchcock. Mm. Especially the scene, the 
Yes, the bit coming up. So Hitchcock had the was suspense. That was all this whole thing. This scene, as a as a short film, this scene could work mm. of just pure suspense. Yeah. And then one kid goes out on his flotation thing. Yeah. And what happens? Shark. We uh, we start to see beneath the water the POV mm. of the kids splashing. We start to see some other people as well. We don't know who's going to get attacked. And then the little kid does. Yeah. And it's it's horrendous. Savage. It's horrendous. The shark looks terrifying as well. Its fins roll over. Yeah, that looks upside down. The that kid... might be the best shot in the thing. Mm. It looks most so real because the kid's in there as well, bubbling and stuff. All this bubbling blood comes up, and then the so that's the dolly zoom, which was first used by Hitchcock in Vertigo, mm. in a really cool shot where it's looking down the stairs and it's the ground is zooming away from the yeah. the viewer, and it does the same thing in this where. Um, the shock of Brody seeing this happen, and we see the camera come towards him. The background all morphs. It's a, it's, it's the, one of those shots that keeps coming up in the top shots of all time sort of lists. Oh, rightly so. It's yeah. You just know what he's feeling in that moment. You're like, it's the realization. Oh my god, I was right. It's happening. It's happened. Bugger. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've got the strings as well, and it. it Strings, uh, for yeah. me, what it makes it happen, it feels like reality's warping around you. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, that feeling of your stomach churning when something really bad happens, mm. uh, and something really bad is happening. All yes. the crowd rushes back onto the beach, and yeah, that little uh, that yellow lilo just like torn apart, just mm. gently floats onto the beach and is left there with a load of blood around it. Yeah. And the mum, there's a shot of the mum looking for the kids still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, oh yeah, it's insane, insane scene. So this kickstarts a genuine hunt for the shark at this point. Mm. Um, the the town are now aware of what's going on. There's, there's, a, there's a demand for for action. A $3,000 bounty goes up to kill the shark. Yeah, and that is posted out by the boy's mum mm. but the what really kind of adds to that whole money grabbing like higher uppers and the mayor and stuff one of the people on the committee says is that three thousand pound bet like up for offer yet mm. or something you're like cash or check that's it cash or check yeah i don't think that's very funny yeah. i don't think that's very funny <laughs> at all uh, kids, kids just died <laughs> no, it's um yeah this mm. is what starts off but the the mayor is quick to say the beach is only shut for 24 hours yeah, and Brody was like, "I didn't, so, I didn't agree to that." that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this, this is basically the rest of the film now. So you've got the the sensible people trying to hunt down the shark, the mayor insisting that everything's okay, and this is what bleeds into the the final act, which is essentially uh, Moby Dick. Yes, really. Um, so we there's there's a lot to, that goes on in between then, but but to, to summarize, people go out hunting. The police office call in uh, oceanographer. Well, before expert. that, in the there's the famous nail scratching scene, and we're introduced to Quince, the rusty sailor. Okay, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, go on. So we meet Quince, who's like a an old school pirate man. Yeah, a he, rugged, uh, proper sea dog, salty sea dog. Yeah, I'm not exactly. He when he introduces himself, he literally says, "I, you know what I do." Yeah. What does he do? I guess he's just a very good fisherman. I guess so. But he boils uh, the shark teeth. In well, his the, in house the... is full of shark teeth, isn't yeah. it? And he's boiling some away. So is he just the island's shark hunter? But then, don't they say that it hasn't happened before? Mm. 
Mm, I, I don't really understand. He kills things. That's he kills what he things. Does. He kills sea things. Uh, so the oceanographer Hooper, yeah, who Brady calls in, they team up with uh, with Quint at the end and go out hunting mm. on this old scabby sea dog ship. And this just from there, like, like all of the film is perfect to me, but from them embarking onwards is just absolute perfection for me. I just ah because you get the relationships. Mm-hmm. Quinn is constantly testing Hooper's sea knowledge. He's rubbing his hands. You mean you got silly hands? Yeah, You've yeah, yeah, money yeah. all your life. All of this stuff, and he's you know saying Titus kind of not for me, and he's like, oh, I haven't had to pass basic seamanship in a while. Yeah. So you've got this kind of narrative of rivalry going on who's is the nerd with all the equipment the better or is the old-fashioned fisherman with the hooks and the you know barrels better and yeah it just works so well and then you've got brady in the middle yeah he's sort of like complete rookie just doing as he's told completely frustrated with the idea is to keep throwing meat into the sea but this is where one of the most famous quotes comes from Mm. when he's just sitting there flinging meat out the out the boat and then a massive shark appears. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, now, there's a lot of talk about the shark, Bruce, mm. as he was dubbed by the film crew, being rubbish. So they barely used it in the film, mm. which works really yeah, well. fantastically. Uh, because it's nice having the mystery. I don't think it's that bad. No. I think mean, it's very good. I think it was very scary, if anything. It's absolutely terrifying. Massive. And it's huge. You could fit stand in its jaw, but you could certainly... Um, be swallowed whole. There's a famous picture of Spielberg just sat all relaxed, like yeah, topless yeah. in his really short 1970s shorts, <laughs> his iconic hat just chilling in the mouth. Right, right, right. Really cool picture. Um, but yeah, so he roars up, he backs away, backs all the way back <laughs> into the cabin, doesn't even look at Quint, just says, you're going to need a bigger boat. Mm, yes. Uh, <sighs> but the best scene for me is the drinking scene. Yes, well, this is the thing that keeps happening. They keep getting drunk in this film. Yeah. And it always works quite well. Like uh, early on, Hooper and, and Brady get drunk and slice a shark open to see if it was the one, the yeah. one. And they just do it because they're drunk. It's like, yeah. one more drink and slice that fish up. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, when they're drinking in the cabin of the orca. Yeah. Comparing scars. You know, there's a what's the, that great line when he's like, marry a muffet. She broke my heart. Oh, yeah, this is the Just, biggest one of all. Yeah, <laughs> first at laughing, but then it's the uh, f- like one of the best monologues in film history, the Indianapolis story, famous mm. uh, Hiroshima bomb delivery that went wrong when they were coming back. I think we should play it now, to be honest. Do it. We can't do it justice by describing it. You on the Indianapolis? What happened? Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side, chief. Was coming back from the island of Tinian to Lady, just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. Eleven hundred men went into the water. Vessel went down in twelve minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, thirteen footer. You know, you know that when you're in the water, chief, you tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. Well, we didn't know. But our bomb mission had been so secret. No distress signal had been sent. <laughs> they didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. 
So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming, and sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. You know, by the end of that first dawn, lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men, they average six an hour. On Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, Bosun's mate. I thought he was asleep. Reached over to wake him up. Bobbed up and down in the water. It was like a kind of top. Upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, Lockheed Ventura. So she swung in low and he saw us to the young pilot, a lot younger than Mr. Hooper anyway. He saw us and he come in low and three hours later, a big fat PBY comes down and start to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out, and the sharks took the rest, June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. Uh, just to add, I was watching that scene for the 10th time yesterday, at least, <laughs> and I was just transfixed. That was just shivers down my spine. It is a beautiful, beautiful piece of filmmaking. But yeah. Uh, yes, now... Jaws is significant because it was the first ever summer blockbuster of its type that we still have now. Um, it's also significant because it's one of the first films that had an ending. Right. A lot of 70s films just ended. They just finished. Mm. Nothing really concluded. This has a wonderful ending. Don't want to give it away too much. I think on the off chance there's some idiots out there haven't yeah. seen Jaws. Which you should which... absolutely be feeling bad about. Yeah. Uh... We, won't, we can't spoil it for ah, Well, it ends with people going off into the sunset, basically. Mm. And it feels very final. And it feels very complete. And you just think, ah, that was a good story. Yes, definitely. And then the sequels happened. Mm. Which is a different topic for a different day. Yeah. I would just say briefly, Jaws 2 wasn't that bad. Jaws Ugh. 3D was a blah. And Jaws 4 was even more... Yeah. They were shocking. I think the first one's so perfect. Yeah, there was never a need for... Um, But that's just the way of films, I suppose. Uh, So, what's there left to talk about? Jaws, would you recommend it? Um, Yes. Yes, I think Uh, I would too. I think I would. I think it is one of the greatest films ever made, and it should always be recognised as so. 
And you might be aware as well that it is being reissued this year. It's on at Cineworld, I believe, right now. So sorry, too late. But at least we're talking about it. Uh, but if you do get a chance to watch it on the big screen, definitely do. Even more, if you get the chance to watch it outside near the sea, definitely do. The last time I watched it, I was in Plymouth, watching it on the big screen in the swimming pool with the ocean oh, behind. Oh, God. Did you did you have a point where you're like dangling your foot in the water and feeling a bit uneasy? <laughs> Something grabbed me. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, definitely watch this outside if you get the chance because it is a different, different atmosphere. Uh, is that everything? That's everything. Watch Jaws. Watch Jaws. Watch it again. Watch it again and again. Jaws. Jaws. Hollow Dell Media Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. And that was the main theme from The Disaster Artist by Dave Porter. Have you seen The Disaster Artist? I haven't yet. I think I want to, like, I need to watch The Room again. Oh, you haven't even seen The Room properly, have you? I know. No, I need to watch The Room and I don't want to watch The Disaster Artist. Who are you? I know, I know. You haven't seen Ed Wood either, have you? No, I haven't. But that's just stupid. Uh, what's his face, isn't it? That's his. That's Tim Burton's best film. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Because it's all about. Okay. <laughs> Let's pull this back. Right. So at college, right. we, me and Rob, uh, we bonded over the fact that a lot of the films we've been shown by the tutors, we were the only one getting. Hmm. I remember being the only ones who laughed during Doctor Strange Love. Right. The only ones who found yeah. it funny. And I bought a vampire motorcycle. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Uh, but one of the other ones was Plan Nine from Outer Space. Which is regarded as the worst film of all time. Mm. Probably before The Room, anyway. Uh, famously regarded as the worst film of all time. And it's directed by Ed Wood, who Tim Burton made a film about him making Plan 9 Out of Space. Mm. Ed Wood is about... It's kind of like a Wizard of Oz-style adventure fantasy film of him meeting all these people and dragging them along. And it's right. really, really funny. and It's really, really good. Okay, that does sound pretty good. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a uh, go. It's also where the Sarah Jessica Parker looking like a horse thing comes from. Is she a horse in it? Sarah Jessica Parker reads a review. She plays an actress. She reads a review about her performance hmm. where she's described as looking like a horse. Ooh, and it's stuck. <laughs> it's stuck. Oh, dear. Ooh. Bit of an issue. But anyway, um, Disaster Artist was a film came out a couple of years ago about Tommy Wiseau making The Room. And there's a lot of similarities between the two. Okay. Tommy Wiseau being a mental, egotist filmmaker with mysterious background. Right. Who made this terrible, terrible film. With his jeans company and whatnot. Mm. That came out more recently, actually. For a long time, no one knew who the hell he was. Right. And where he got all this money from. Uh, Yeah. And he made a terrible, terrible film that, after coming out as being funny, he sort of reinvented... And said, oh yeah, it was always supposed to be funny. And, yeah, it wasn't. Mm. You're trying to do a serious American drama thing. But that's the trouble with uh, indie films, I think. We we recently watched a film called uh, Cherokee Creek. I can't speak today. Cherokee, Cherokee, <laughs> Cherokee Creek, which is a Bigfoot horror movie. Yes. Um, with, uh, what was his name? Billy Knives? Not Billy. He plays Billy Knives. Right. Oh, whatever, God. Billy. Whatever. Billy no mates. Whoever they are. Right. So yeah, it was a. Uh, it was people playing themselves, but not. Yes, they were all filmmakers, weren't they, or actors or producers? 
playing themselves, and it was very and it was very self aware. And there was these long dialogue scenes of endless dialogue scenes of as if like they have this massive. Do you know who who could do it and did do it? Was this is the end when you've got that um, oh, knowledge? Disagree. I, I agree. Well, if you've got like Seth Rogen and James Franco and Danny McBride, they've all got that. You know they've got a big sort of hub of relationships. So you watch that and you're like, okay, that's kind I of. I think what that's one of the cover. smuggest in jokey films. Do you think? Oh, I love it. There's well, a, there's a couple of bits where it goes on a bit long. I think it. Yeah, but you're you're into that. And you're into them. I'm into them, yeah. And I'm not. So that's that's maybe that's where it comes from. It's it's like, eh, eh, not interested in you, right? Um, and Cherokee Creek had a similar vibe. It did. Playing to their fans, maybe. Yeah. So we've and we haven't really heard of these guys. No offense to them. I mean, the, don't want to be down on it too much. The film's fine. It's pretty good. It's very very funny. It's very funny. The gore is awesome. There's a lot of really, really great stuff. But you do walk away feeling like it was just an ego project. Yeah. I guess is the point. There were certain dialogue scenes that could have been, I mean, a quarter of the length. Mm. It's something that I think I'm quite conscious of with our own projects. Because with Quaggers, the film we're working on now, uh, I did write it, I am directing it, I am editing it. But it's I wouldn't say it was an ego project. Because no. I'm not the main character, is the thing. It's a passion project. Yeah. So you've got to learn um, to take yourself out of it, I think. With films like that. I, I guess this is a very particular thing. It's a very it's a very indie film thing to do. It's mainly because it's probably one guy who wants to make films, doesn't really know anyone else. Hmm. So he just makes the film he wants to be, and obviously he's the main character because he wrote it. Oh, I've got a good example. Yeah. All right, Corvus, um, Cirque du Sacrifice, right? Mm. We play ourselves in that. Right. We're not spending any time going on about our filmmaking or whatever. No, that's true. We're just we're just characters who get attacked by a doll. We're just meatbags. There's no, yeah, we're just meatbags. There's no ego in it. We just get attacked and, you know, some of us get murders. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Ah, look at us. Find your inner humour from yourself and not from your achievements and, you know, your what people think of you, the humour has to come internally. We say this before we cast our next film about a group of filmmakers sitting in a room. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we, we do go on about our films all the time. But that's the point of the show. Are we being hypocritical again? No, because we're not... What we say is things that we... Our own observations of stuff. Right. We're not saying we've already done it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, in, in the Cherokee Creek... The main character, who's a writer, there's a producer, mm. has already done all these famous films, and everyone knows the actor, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's you! Please sign oh, my your, chest." You and your dreamy eyes, yeah. Yeah, we don't do that. We do. No, we're bottom of the rung, but we yeah. try to do we, it. We suck, but we're coming and go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the difference. Okay, it's all fine. It's all fine. We've given ourselves the green light. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, mm. Moving Pick, on. Put a song on. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. And that was Hot-Blooded by Foreigner. Yes, on the soundtrack to the thing everyone's talking about, and we're probably a little bit behind on. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Swedish man. Oh, Swedish. Stranger Things, series three. Yeah. Yeah. Back on form. Back on form within moments as well. So good, so good. So... 
Stranger Things. Hmm, what's your relationship with Stranger Things? Uh, so, Stranger Things is basically the invisible connection that I have to, and you have to the eighties. Like we're we're being shown all this eighties culture, and in the first series it was very horror themed, and the second and the third is kind of gone in the glamour route. But Stranger Things is kind of that bridge to the stuff that we didn't really live through, I suppose. Stranger Things is a funny one because it's filmed as if modern day into a world of a perception of the 80s. It's not people who have lived actually lived through it say it's not very 80s. Although the Series 3 might be different because yeah. Series 3 has a whole different gloss to it, doesn't it? Commercialism. Yeah. Right, isn't it? The, the setting, the opening setting of of Hawkins, Indiana, is that this new mall has opened up and all the local businesses are freaking out because they're losing business and uh, and it just feels very right and it feels quite nice as well to see shopping malls looking glamorous. Yeah, so Starcourt because we're always you know the mall is this uh, trope really of so many American films. Mm. Like I don't know, if Mall Rats is even a film in itself, but here we. Are in like properly showing this commercial, glamorous, shiny spandex place where people come and is an absolute hub of the culture. That's what they're trying to express in Stranger Things 3. This is where everything happens. This is where friends meet up. This is where everyone shops. This is where people get their ice cream. Yeah, absolutely. And Night of the Comet uh, is an old sort of, is an 80s horror film that absolutely lives in that world. It's like Day of the Dawn of the Dead as well, where all the everyone just has their refuge is the mall yeah um and it's quite nice seeing it glitzy and glamorous and and not faded because it's very easy for me to see starcore as it would be now and what would that be just like the arndale center in luton shut down ruined pale all the paints peeling off yeah and now you're seeing it as it was and as it should be and it's actually i get a weird nostalgia from it more than i probably should yeah no i know what you mean it's probably because of films like night of the comet and they have uh, dawn of the dead keep saying day of dead because they go and see it in the first episode so anyway yeah really immediately connected with uh with stranger things series three yeah definitely and i thought two was rubbish i thought it was okay but there were i uh, this one i've watched the entire thing and i was watching the entire time in stranger things series two my hand was reaching for the phone a bit i was like okay, right yeah, yeah, yeah but this one i was like okay cool what's happening next what's going on the characters have they've built the characters they they know what you like about the characters like for example steve and dustin's relationship they, yes they that happened by pure chance in series two as they're writing it they realized oh hang on a minute these guys work really well together right so yeah yeah push that up to the forefront and you're loving that uh the hopper as, as always seeing them <laughs> i love the hopper as we when we first see hopper again he's got a full mustache and he's watching magnum pi he sees himself as the hero of this uh, this cop show. Later on, he even gets Hawaiian shirts. It's amazing. Yes, yeah, fantastic. He's written himself into this fiction, and Hopper's always been my favourite character, and always will be, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Definitely. There's something um, in relation to Jaws as well, which you picked up on, and I did as well, which is, uh, I can do anything, I'm the chief of police. Yes. So they're kind of, even though Jaws is 70s, they're knowing that that would probably be very much still a part of their film movie culture. It that's kind of, it counts in that respect. It's really nice. It's a really nice reference. And having just watched it back to back with Jaws for today's show, suddenly went, "Oh, 
Yeah. I got that reference. Um, and as you said, we don't seem that doesn't seem to be picked up. Has it? I, I googled it on the internet, and no one has yeah. realised. Tune little... in for Stream Bucket for yeah. the real the real look at things. Um, yeah, I'm I'm only a couple episodes in, but I'm really really digging it. I also love that Steve is now working at the Krusty Krab. Yeah. Uh, although I would say I no longer like any of the children. Dustin is the only likable one, and like you said earlier, Mike. Mike is a right little sod out of nowhere. Rude, obnoxious. Like when, uh, so Hopper's prepared the speech. Uh, he's going to go and talk to Mike and Eleven and say, "Okay, this is I'm coming from a place of calm or whatever." And then he's just taking the mickey out of him. Mm. He's like starts whispering in Eleven's ear. You know how rude is that? Yeah, I'd really dislike him. This Instantly. is the guy who in the last two series was like teaming up with you to save Hawkins and the world and now you're being a little little douche to Yeah, him. yeah. Um, I don't know what happened there. It's It seems... I suppose they are teenage now. Yeah. Are they the same age as the actors? I have no idea how old they meant. I, I was guessing 12 or 13 or something, but maybe... So I think the actor's like 15, yeah. which would make sense for them to be obnoxious and rude, I suppose. Mm. But yeah, mm, so now I'm very much... Uh, Team Hopper Definitely. and Team Steve. Definitely. And Dustin's still there as well. Yeah. But um but yeah, no, really enjoying it. So um if you if you felt like us, I don't think many people did, but if you did feel like us and series two was not as good, hmm. then go back and keep watching, I suppose. Yeah. Breathes the eighties back into it in a whole new way that really works. Hmm. And it it's got some interesting extra bits as well that I've been hinted at that I haven't actually got to yet. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Please, sir. What is it, boy? Please, can you sponsor us? What? You could sponsor a show on North Hearts FM that's made for the community by the community and let us keep making great content. We're a fledgling station... But one with over 10,000 listeners a month. And it keeps growing. And what's in it for me? Five adverts a day, sir. Plus, the world will get to see your branding at live events, online, and be proudly displayed alongside the show you choose to sponsor on all online content. Plus, on-air mentions and branding. It won't even be taken out of the shows on Listen Again. So your brand will be out there forever. Then how much is that going to cost me? Only £360 a year, sir. Or £30 a month if you just want to run adverts instead of a full sponsor. It isn't more? No, sir. Just head to northartsfm.com for more information or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook. This is brilliant. Show for sale! Show for sale! Welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night! Production on Jordan Peele's take on Bernard Rose's 1992 hit film Candyman will begin in August. The original has become somewhat of a cult film, but has nevertheless been forgotten by many. Perhaps Jordan Peele can inject his newfound spunk into the franchise and bring us an experience on a par with Get Out and Us. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Yeah. It is. I haven't seen Candyman. Oh, come on now. I haven't seen it. Who are you? I don't know. I just sit here and, <laughs> and talk about Jaws. That's the only film I've watched. Uh, Candyman's good. It's interesting. He's um, 
God, he's going to be doing Shaft next. No, I, I think, um, well, from what I do know about Candyman, Jordan Peele is probably the exact right director. With the yes. The kind of stuff he's putting out at the moment, it seems like a very good choice. Although I haven't seen any of it. His, uh, his new take on Twilight Zone is a bit to be desired. Oh, really? Mm. Eh. But yes, we'll see. The new Mortal Kombat movie will be gory as hell. Yes. Writer Greg Russo has taken to Twitter to confirm that the 2021 film won't just be R-rated, it will include the filthy, grotesque, and horrifically violent fatalities that has made the video game franchise stand apart from its peers. Oh, that's exciting. Mortal Kombat, this is what he says. He said, Mortal Kombat will be R-rated, yelled in type form on Twitter, fatalities will finally be on the big screen. And I'm not going to say which ones. You'll just have to wait and see. That's good. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. But they don't... like. Did you see, like... Uh, I didn't think very much of the old Mortal Kombat movies, but they've got a fandom. The Tekken movie sucked. I think they've done Street Fighter and stuff before, but... Yeah. They can do it well. Uh, yeah, not... I think it's interesting. It's worth a go. Mm. Uh, speaking of, like, uh, blasts from the pasts... Um... Like the downside of overusing Imodium at a festival, Hasbro may be forcing, straining, and pushing out another Power Rangers movie. Uh... However, they won't be doing it with the cast of the 2017 film. According to Stranger Things superhunk Dacon Montgomery, who played the Red Ranger in uh, the 2017 one, he said he thinks there's a movie in the works, but it's not with me and the cast. So yes, but not with us. So, I don't, I don't, Why? Well, it's not like Power Rangers the most uh, canonically connected franchises. No, no, that's franchises. true. They jumping from thing to thing, but I just like, it did really badly at the box office. Well, it from I didn't watch it, but from the impression I got was that it didn't know who it was aiming at. No, it wasn't aiming at Power Rangers fans because that only happened at the end. Yeah, it wasn't aiming at kids because it was a bit boring and it was somewhere in the middle. Dramatic, and it sort of meh. I mean, it wasn't... Similar to the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films came out around then as well. So who are you su- aiming at? I suppose if you went full on nostalgia, you would be doing the suits and the Megazords, more or less how they looked. But yeah, they yeah, kind of yeah. made them... They didn't look good. They didn't look nearly as cool as they did in the 90s. And Yeah, you have to really... When you're at that drawing board stage, you do need to nail who are we aiming for? What are we trying to create? Are we just doing a clone of superhero movies? Yeah. You know, have a little think. But yeah, I don't know. If it's good, it's good, but maybe they should let Sleeping Dogs lie for a while and just put it by the wayside. Mm. In other news, director of the upcoming Ghostbusters film, Jason Reitman, has posted a picture of a wheel. <gasps> a wheel? A wheel. On top of the uh, the bumper we saw before. I, I know, right? Okay, the wheel does belong to the... Is it the Echo one? Is that yes. what they call it? Yeah, the iconic Ghostbuster mobile. So it's got a lot of fans giddy at the knees. Um, oh, this skipped me completely. I didn't even see this come out. Yeah. So, Jason Reitman is uh, Ivan Reitman's son. So yes. the original director of the original Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Who yeah. is probably the man who was behind actually being good. Right. Because Dan Aykroyd's original idea was ridiculous. How was it? Uh, I think it involved that they were... They were intergalactic ghosts. So the ghosts were ghosts of aliens or something ridiculous. <sighs> Silly. He's mad. He's a madman. 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 Uh, but Ivan, Ivan Reitman knew what it was he was doing and made it successful, huh. basically. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's good that he's passing it on to his son. Well, it's obviously his son's probably picked up the reins from... Uh, yeah. from yeah, whatever that was. Yeah. Uh, finally, The Lion King, 
has opened with a rotten score. <laughs> I am so pleased so, yeah, with this. Oh, you, you bitter, bitter man, Adam. That's very well, naughty. I thought it was dumb from the start. You're replacing animation with animation. I agree. I agree. There's no need. Uh, and I watched a clip the other day, and it just looks bad. Yeah, it's, it does look a bit bland. I mean, at this moment, bear in mind we're a few days behind. The score stands at quite a miserable 58%. One critic said, though it can take pride. <laughs> Get it? Because it's uh, Pride Alliance. Though it can take pride in its visual achievements, this reimagined Lion King... <laughs> <laughs> this reimagined Lion King is a by-the-numbers retelling that lacks the energy and heart that made the original so beloved, but for some fans, it may just be enough. I haven't yet seen it, but I did watch a clip, and I don't know um, if they got the voice actors right. Like, you know, There are some weird choices in the cast, I remember. Do you remember, like, in the original, they had, like, Nathan Lane was Timon, and he has that really funny, like, high-pitched voice. Right. I don't know who the actor is. It's someone famous, I'm being rubbish. Uh, is doing Timon in this one. Seth Rogen's good as Pumbaa. But okay. then this Timon isn't as, like, lively and wacky. Mm. And um, they've got Chiwetel Iwofa, is that how you say it? Chiwetel Iwofa is um, ch- taking over uh, with Jeremy Irons as Scar, right? Okay. Scar, Jeremy Irons, that was the most evil voice ever. You Wasn't remember, Scar... do you remember him? I, I, I last... can't do his voice. He's a very British bad guy, very camp. He has that camp British voice. Was it Darth Vader? Jeremy Irons, no, Mufasa was Darth Vader. Oh. Yeah. See, but Mufasa, he is. Uh, James Earl Jones was Mufasa in the original, wasn't he? He's still Mufasa. He's oh, he's, oh. He's remaining Mufasa. He's the only one who's unchanged, but they've got rid of Jeremy Irons, who was the perfect scar. Oh, I didn't and, know that. That's good. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. I don't think it's going to be incredible. I quite like the Jungle Book one, but, yeah. We'll see. I've so little care. I don't, I'm not going to see it. Oh. I'm never going to see it. I'm well, saying that now. I'm never going to see Lion King. Fair. Fair. <clears throat> if it pops up on the Disney Netflix, then um, maybe I'll give it a go. Disflix. Disf- Are you going to get Disflix? No, I'm not going to get Disflix. I have no reason to get Disflix. Apparently there's one reason. Did, I, did we talk about this before? Is it Marvel? Simpsons. Oh, yeah, the Simpsons. Mm. They're going to have all of the old ones. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, that was it. Fortnite Schmort. You have been schmorted. Well, well, well. Shall we play a Lion King song from the good one? Oh, God. Yes. What let's, do you want to play? Let's play Hakuna Matata. Oh, not the one you gave me on the list. What did I say? I uh, just oh, can't wait to be king. Let's play I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Everyone plays Hakuna Matata. Hollow Dell Media's Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Adam's Film Reviews. Midsummer 2019. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. 
You know what she's been going through. Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? Well, we're here. One year after myself and Rob watched Ari Aster's masterpiece, Hereditary, and caused Rob to forever scream whenever he hears a simple and we have Aster's Swedish folk horror follow-up, Midsommar. Despite first appearances in the trailer, the story mostly follows Danny Ardor, played by the wonderful Florence Pugh, a young woman on the verge of a mental breakdown following a harrowing and tragic incident with her family. Unable to leave her, despite his growing animosity to their relationship, Danny's boyfriend Christian invites her along with several of his friends to Sweden after being invited back to a commune by Swedish native Pelle to take part in a midsummer celebration that only takes place every 90 years. On their arrival to the commune, the group are met with open arms by many members of the community who are pleased to see outsiders taking part in the celebration. Through the eyes of our American and British guests, we witness many of the rituals and celebrations held across the nine-day event. Things take a turn for the worst, however, when the group pay witness to a sacrificial ceremony, wherein two community elders leap from a precipice and onto the rocks below. The British couple are horrified by this and soon make their excuses to leave. The Americans, meanwhile, are encouraged to stay despite their shock, and the suspense really begins to dig its nails in. Mystery follows mystery as the commune begin to show their true intentions and lack of care for the wishes of their guests. The core story is between Danny and Christian, both of whom know that their relationship is falling apart. As Christian becomes the target of one particular young woman, the knife begins to twist and we're left with a nightmarish and disturbing spiral into chaos. This film is visually beautiful with Astor's signature camera work playing into the bold and bright colours of the countryside, played up more by the uneven and swirling colours and shapes to reflect the psychedelic impact of the commune's food and drink on their guests. On the whole, as a horror, this isn't going to keep you up at night. Visceral shots of bodies and physical trauma aside, Midsummer feels to me more like a Hitchcockian thriller. Packed to the brim of suspense and mystery, and some unexpected laughs, Midsummer has the overall feeling of a long day's party in the field, with a predictably bittersweet aftertaste. I absolutely recommend Midsummer. It might be one of the most unique, if not strictly terrifying, horrors coming out this year. Give it a watch. I was most excited for you to come. Green Bucket on NoFat FM. Beep boop. Trailers. Trailers. Yes, we've watched another compilation of trailers for the last week. 
Yes, we've got uh, five new ones this time. Yes, there's some interesting ones. Yes, 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 yes. So, do you want to kiss off with the one you suggested? So, Knives Out. It's got a star-studded cast. It's a whodunit. We all have a whodunit, don't we? Uh, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, Laika Stanfield, uh, Michael Shannon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Don Johnson. It's got everyone in it. It's got loads of people in it. And uh, Christopher Plummer still still smashing it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So Daniel Craig is a sort of detective investigating a murder in a manor house. Yeah, and oddly enough, he's gone with the Kevin Spacey House of Cards. I speak in a presidential yeah. voice like <laughs> this. Uh, you might know who did it, but I certainly didn't. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Weird throwback. It's quite interesting. Yeah, it's a sort of film you don't see very often anymore. There's a whimsy to it. So, obviously an all-out comedy, but then it did have these... Like, Chris Evans obviously has a very comedic role in it. And... Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of it, because I'm... Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I love, I do love films like that. You know all about whodunits from Inspector Calls days, well, yes, don't you? But also, and I love the Pink Panther films, especially when it was the early days. Yeah. Strict, like, uh, Shot in the Dark in Fantastic Film. Mm-hmm. Um, Murder on the Orient Express, another great one. Yeah, Horror Express is similar as well. So yeah, yeah, I'm quite intrigued. Yes. Anyway, yeah, the trailer's interesting. Give it a go. Tell you what's not interesting. What? Mulan. Mm, that doesn't look very good. Oh, it's Disney's, the next one in Disney's line of uh, live action remakes of old classics. There's something with these remakes and I mean I've only seen The Jungle Book which was actually pretty good but they seem to lack a soul yeah well that's the that's the glory of animation you can really introduce character in just the way people move this new version of Mulan is more like the historical version of it I guess yeah there's no talking dragon there's no whatever well that's what everyone's going on about is the fact that I can't remember what his name is but everyone loves that talking dragon who was voiced by Eddie Murphy yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't really care about any of those sort of Disney classics yeah. anyway. But if but... you're a kid, I mean, so what? So it's a kids' film about a warrior princess who's secretly hiding the fact that she is going to fight. She's not just going to be a normal nice princess. She's going to fight. Yes, it's, if more... it's a kids' film. Surely you benefit from a talking dragon. Well, then again, if it wants to be House of Flying Daggers, hmm. you know, or Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of thing, then I guess it makes sense being more straightforward. But it just looks boring it does look boring that's the issue Blah. anyway what's next so driven driven uh, the bloke who created the delorean <laughs> is apparently up to no good and they want to send a guy in undercover to crack his his dastardly scheme well the story of the delorean is always one that's been floating around me since i was a kid because famously used in back to the future it was the the car of the future right you know. but it it famously flopped it was rubbish. It was a rubbish car. It just had the seagull wing door nonsense. That was its only advantage. Other than that, it was just a bit naff. Right. So that's what it's about. It's about a man's journey into descent into madness, I suppose, of trying to make this new car. I wonder if it's one of those films where there is a story there, but they've kind of got to pimp it up a bit. Maybe. It, it looks similar to the McDonald's film. That came out a couple oh, of years yeah. ago. With the brothers. Yeah, that sort of realistic but fun family business thing. Eh. Personally, it's not on my street. 
I mean, I'm probably, yeah, I probably won't watch it. It sounds interesting, but I probably won't watch it. No. Uh, next, though, ha, 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 Jumanji Level 2. Yes. Or Next Level, rather. Yeah. This looks brilliant. It looks great. So, into the game with some of the characters, uh, you've got Danny DeVito and another older dude. They get accidentally <laughs> teleported in as well. Did you watch the last Jumanji? Yeah, I did. Okay. So, yeah, though it's the last Jumanji. The game's the same. It's the players that have changed. Right. And that's where it gets really interesting. Mm. I really love the idea of, yeah, DeVito's old man playing the big buff rock character. Yeah. It just looks really good. Just this real weird injection of fun into the into the franchise. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. And then, ha, 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 what's the next one, Rob? Necrotonic? Net- 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 how do you say it? Necrotronic? Necrotronic. This... I was about to skip over this trailer. And then it kept getting better and better. So it's about um, someone has worked out how to put demons into the internet and then yeah. like send the demons and then they can get into other people. And of course, naturally, now the demons are accessible via your phone. Hmm. So they're coming out of the phone and attacking people. It looks brilliant. It looks really cool. I put, I did a list. Not only is it from the makers of Wormwood, which is a really awesome uh, zombie film, uh, it's got action... The lever is creaking in every other shot. Yep. It's got neon everywhere. It looks like the best film ever. Oh dear. Oh, oh dear. Oh. Apparently it's already out. Oh. And it's got really bad reviews. Oh. Well, never mind. Definitely Australian. Hmm. It's Australian and it's rubbish, apparently. That's... I still want to watch it. It looks yeah, awesome. let's watch it anyway. Anyway. Yeah, trailers. Is that how you, is that how we end? That's how you sign off. <laughs> yeah, trailers. Underline. Underline. Cross. Yep. Move Lovely. on. Lovely. Let's put on another song from Stranger Things that stood out to me. Uh, you don't mess around with Jim by Jim Christ Christ. Oh wow, you f- screwed that up. Cro- crocky. How would you say that? Cross. Cross. Don't mess with Jim. Hollow Dell Media's screen bucket with Adam and Rob. And that was the Staunton Lick. By Lemon Jelly. Oh, it was the Stoughton Lick by a Lemon Jelly. Beautiful song hmm. that ended the ooh, ended the whole show of Spaced. Yeah, it was a really sure. nice little montage that I ripped off for a uni video once. Yeah, really nice. nice. Which kind of fittingly introduces us to a little bit of news we need to share. Not only is Rob moving in, yeah, so he's going to be on the other side of the wall. Yeah, we need to sort that out. I think I need to soundproof. Yeah, we need to we need to do something. We also need to install some sort of rule about not bothering each other all the time. Well, this is because we're going to be working with each other as well. We're going to be living in the same flat, working at the same job. What was it? I like this. Uh, so the door's shut. Leave me alone. Yeah, okay. that's the unspoken rule that's developed. If the door's shut, I want my own time. If the door's okay. open, come in. Right. Yeah. So yes, it's gonna be interesting. The kitchen's also the size of a small horse, so <laughs> there's gonna be not much room for manoeuvre. But you know, whatever. It's it's like we're reverting back to the creatures we were always meant to be: free losers in a flat together. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> the only thing that's missing from the life I pictured as a child is that we're not in deep space. Well, yeah, that can change. Should it we, could change. We just change it. We can do a bit of decorating. Put some metal up, some pipes. 
Yeah, yeah, get some steam coming down, some little squidgy... Oh, I was about to say, get some little slimy alien creatures. We've got them, we've got them all over the place. Blimey neck. But also, another bit of news. We're going to be hitting pause on new stream buckets for a while. Yeah, because we have to finish our film. Yes. A little bit of time just to focus on getting that finished. And well, ooh. we have been going for a year now, and there's some awesome, awesome content. Well, pretty much a year, from yeah. From the annals of our past. Yeah, so I think over the next few weeks, we're going to be putting together some sort of best bits, maybe just the film discussions for a couple of shows. We'll still be playing on North Arts FM every Thursday. Uh, there just won't be much new content. No, but... When we do come back, we'll be gearing up for our magical mayhem amazingness time. Yes. The autumnal. The autumnal. Yeah, we will have a hopefully finished masterpiece film. Yes, hopefully we'll have something to share with you so all go home and watch mm-hmm. and enjoy. Yeah, we'll do some sort of premiere contest. Where oh, can... yes, I forgot you said about that. Mm. Yeah, so winner of whatever you, we make you do, does best, gets to come to the premiere. Yes, red carpet yes. event. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. So the brief little time away will bear glorious, glorious fruit, which we want you all to feast upon. Absolutely. And as ever, we'll still be on Twitter. Do come and throw your comments our way. Any suggestions for any future features would be awesome. So you can follow us at screen underscore bucket on Twitter. If you want to follow our film work, follow us at Hollowdale Media. And of course, also follow at North Arts FM on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, definitely do. You will see lots of magnificent progress and whatnot. And mm. yeah, we'll try and keep you entertained via other tools. We'll see you later. Yes, see you later, chips. Uh, see you in a few months. Ooh. That was awful. That was horrible. That was horrible. What was that? That was really uh, feel, feel it dirty. <laughs> Is this how we're going to sign off? See you later. The first season of Screen Bucket. We're going to sign no, off like that, no, are we? I can't. Okay. How should we, how should we do it? Uh, should we tell some jokes again? Oh, I had a good joke the other day. Oh, yeah. Wait, how did it go? <laughs> uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, this should ah, 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 ah. Okay, right, ah. right, right. I went to a seafood disco the other week. Mm. I pulled a muscle. You're so happy with that, aren't you? So you started with Street Sharks, so you ended with that. It's an ocean theme. Is it? Yeah. Jaws, right. Street Sharks, so unless you've got an ocean joke, then don't even bother. Let's just go. No, I'm not doing another one. I'm not doing no more jingles. I'm not a musician. No, no, no. Well, that was the show. That was the show. It's us back at the podcast again. Mm. And Rob, you've got some extra thoughts about Jaws. Yeah, so um, I don't want to pick holes in this film because it's one of my favourite films, but there's some tiny little... I think you said it was the best film ever made. It is, yeah, it is, in my opinion. Wow. It's, got, it's, got, it's like in that tier of other films, like, you okay. know, your Shawshanks and your Godfather 2s, but it's got a shark in it. So it wins. Um, uh, what about Shawshank with a shark in? Shark, shark Shank. Shark Shank. Shark Shark now, Redemption. Now there's a film. Yeah, a shark is... It wrongly imprisoned and has to escape. He has to talk to Black Shark. This is just Deep Blue Sea. Because they kidnap the shark and put it in the tank and then he realises he has to be smart. So he breaks out. <laughs> Did he talk to a Black Shark about getting uh, yeah. a poster on the wall? Morgan Sharkman. <laughs> anyway, uh, so just... Morgan brief- Free Shark. Morgan surely. Free Shark. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> so at the start, uh, the children have been eaten, mm. and it's pretty clear: don't go in the sea because you'll get eaten. Yes. And the mum is just letting the kids play in the boat on the pier. That's the, I quite like that as a comedy moment that she's like. Oh, they're fine. And then she flips through the book and there's a shark eating your boat. Yes. And she just immediately... Yes. <laughs> I think that's quite cool. Yeah. Um, what else was there? What did I just mention? Uh, there was the, the shooting stars. Oh, yes. What was that? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't remember that either. No. Is that a more recent digital thing? I don't know, but they were just out on the boat. It was during their quest and it was twilight and then there were sharks. Uh, sharks? Stars. Yeah, there's things that fly in the distance. I wonder if it's because they were shooting day for night mm. and it was a bird or something and they just covered it up. Yeah. But it looks really weird. Yeah. And then there's just moments where like, um, the mayor has a word with the family and says, come on, get back in the water. It's July the 4th. <laughs> what, in there, when the few people have been eaten? Just go in. Yeah, all right, mayor. I'm a bit worried, but I'll take my grandchildren in there. Yes. Serve them up as a smorgasbord, as Brody I, said. I do like, though, that the, the moment afterwards, when they're in the sea, they just look petrified. They're, like, not having fun. No. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but we'll forgive it because it's Jaws. We'll forgive it because it's Jaws. What's the other thing as well? Oh, um, Hooper's pe- face pulling. Mm. That's weird. And yeah, Quinn... he's making really juvenile five-year-old, like, stretching his it's lips. It's not even that. It's like anime. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> little eyelid. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. really bizarre. But yeah, we'll forgive him. We'll forgive Mr. Spielberg. I don't. I don't forgive him. Okay. It's the worst film in the world. Yep. Hate it. I absolutely yeah. no. Let's never watch it again. Deep blue. Sh- yeah. Deep blue sea is the best. Yeah. The deep blue sea is the best <laughs> shark film, and it always will be. And it no. always. Yeah. Megalodon. Meg. The Meg. The Meg. Look on. Mm. Are we gonna see Meg too? They're doing it, aren't they? Are they? Are they? I thought you said... Well, I thought was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have to go. Yeah, right. okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's just say bye, shall we? Yeah, all right. Thanks, guys. We'll, more stuff will come. We're yes. going to make our film, and then we're going to come with some amazing new October autumnal spooky content. We'll come back with some uh, fresh new take on Stream Bucket. Yeah. Season 2, The Revenge. Reboot bucket. Boot bucket. Boot bucket. Screen boot. Stream reboot. Screen reboot. Stream reboot it. Mm. Mm? A boot? A boot. Oh, Canadian fans. Yes. Follow us on Twitter at stream underscore bucket. Follow North Arts FM at North Arts FM on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow our film stuff at Holodale Media. And that's about it. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. And we look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.